There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Redshirt Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 7 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Well, what'd you think about this episode? Uh, <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more mad at the Mandalorian than I am at this one. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. What do you hear that? I thought it was okay. I, I don't mind... The courtroom dramas, this is kind of like a courtroom drama. Right. We, we And Star Trek seems to have a thing for courtroom drama. Somebody's always defending something. Yes. That's standard Star Trek, which is fine. Although I was taken aback by who was her friend and who wasn't. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, good grief. <laughs> it seems that Michael forever will have uh, trust issues, no matter what her commitment is in. First, she, she wrestles with it, and then she says, I'm fine. And I'm like, baloney. Yes. <laughs> can't wait to can't wait to decide to jump ship next time. <laughs> what did you think? Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was definitely a whole lot of uh, callbacks to the previous incarnations of the series and movies. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed that we didn't go down to the planet. I mean, I think that probably would have made it even better, but eh, you got budget concerns, and so they kept it all on the ship, which is fine. A Uh, bottle episode. (laughs) That's what they call it. Yeah. Kind of. Well, your criticism of of this series, or at least this episode, is my criticism for The Mandalorian. They're both borrowing from their past rather too heavily. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At times, it's definitely true. I love Spock. He is the best. He sure has been appearing quite a bit, though. I wonder if there's a series to a story to tell that doesn't have Spock in it. Yeah. <laughs> Sooner or later, it's going to have to end. Yeah. Because we are so far in the future that some of this isn't really going to be relevant going forward, I don't think. You don't think? Yeah, I, I, I could I, be wrong, but I don't I, think so. <laughs> I'm willing, if there's an over-under <laughs> for a Spock reference before the end of the season, aside from this one, I'll take the over. <laughs> there's got to be at least one. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's, I think I'd probably make that bet as well as yeah. uh, going over. <laughs> Someone's going to say Spock would have been proud, and then we'll have to drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a uh, a good drinking game for the rest yeah. of the uh Someone season. says Spock and you have to take a shot. <laughs> uh, I'm running out of Romulan ale. Yes. <laughs> well, shall we get into this episode? Sure. Episode 7, Unification 3. See, they're not done, Steve. No. <laughs> <laughs> While grappling with 
her recent actions and what her future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate about the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable burn data. Burn in quotations. Yes. And this might not be my home anymore, as she's stripped of her position as first officer. Commander Burnham is finally at the fork in the road she has been headed towards all season, and probably two or three more times before the season is over. She isn't sure she belongs in Starfleet anymore, and having books shipped stored in the shuttle bay as a distraction is not helping. Well, of course not. (laughs) Being torn between her galaxy-saving Masonic complex and a desire to run away with this rogue courier with a heart of gold surely can't continue. And the solemn romance that kicks off Unification 3 hints that she's thinking of taking her talents to another team. (laughs) Miami Beach. Yeah. (laughs) Taking my talents to Miami Beach. Of course, her demotion was the price she paid for going off book last episode to get her hands oh. on the third black box to triangulate the starting point of the burn. You just say off book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need a rim shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, Tilly points out space is three dimensional, and so three points only narrow things down in two dimensions, and there could be massive amounts of space that they would have to explore that would take centuries. Well, at least someone had their thinking cap on. Yes. Now, the good news is an old Starfleet ex- experiment named SB-19 with sensor data from all over the galaxy could pinpoint the origin of the burn. I just realized what SB stands for. What? Spock blather. Yeah. <laughs> and this is number 19, Spock blather 19. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. (laughs) The bad news is the SB-19 data is inaccessible on a planet named Navarre, a.k.a. Vulcan. Interesting choice. Yeah, they dropped that one on us, didn't they? Yes, they did. Now, Vance gives Michael and Saru a history lesson on how the Vulcans and Romulans finally fulfilled Spock's version of unification, but they quit the Federation after the SB-19 experiment to create a warp alternative fail. Well, maybe. (laughs) In fact, they think the SB-19 network actually caused the burn, and they are upset at the Federation for making them do it. Oh, yeah. So much for logic. You made us do it. Yes. (laughs) It's your fault everyone died. Okay. Only there was someone with ties to Vulcan and Spock who could reopen those lines of communication. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Headline. Headline. <laughs> Where we... is coming? What if they have spinning newspapers yeah. <laughs> like they do on TV? Spock's sister found. <laughs> so our next part is, I am Michael Burnham, daughter of Sarek, sister of Spock. All of the spring's memories of Spock flooding in for Michael, including finding out where her brother's path led him after he parted company in the 23rd century, which is just about a year ago from her perspective. In a poignant and beautiful moment, Michael sees a recording from Jean-Luc Picard's private stash of Spock expressing his vision of bringing the Vulcans and Romulans together. And I have to say, when Leonard Nimoy appeared in uh, The Next Generation, that was some of their best episodes. Oh, yes, absolutely. so strong and... When Spock mind-melded with Picard, I was like, oh, (laughs) pretty good. I tried to make my wife watch it so she could be impressed. She's like, yep, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So after some niceties when arriving on Navarre, it was made clear that SB-19 will remain on the down low, and even talking about it opened up some old wounds that locals want to avoid. 
Jesus, some prological race there, pretty touchy. Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> Facing the stubborn and surprisingly sassy Vulcan president, Michael breaks the gridlock by pulling an ancient Vulcan ritual out of her back pocket. A Takalan cat. I knew, I know I had a feeling she was going to do that, Steve. Yes. Had to. <laughs> yeah, had, <laughs> had to. Had to come. And the first rule of the Takal and Ket is you don't deny the Takal and Ket. At least she didn't give her the Vulcan pinch for doing it to her, you know? Yes. <laughs> I think you and I could be friends and then pinch her right on the shoulder and take that. <laughs> the Vulcan ritual is some kind of scholarly court to rigorously get to fundamental truth. Huh? No problem with that. Burnham has been assigned to a sh- oh boy, I'm gonna this is a mouthful. A sh- a ka- Kakai? I think I got that right? Advocate who arrives with a veiled mystery only to be revealed to be her time-traveling mother, Gabrielle Burnham, who is now a member of the absolute candor-loving Romulan Kawamalot in order of warrior nuns. Whew. Of Talk about she uh, is. Of course she is. <laughs> I know. You know, I had a feeling it would be her mother standing there and said, oh, an unveiling. So this is, this is going to be big. Oh, it's gonna yeah, be your mother. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that was really the only person it could have been. I mean, yeah. you aren't bringing Leonard Nimoy back or nope. <laughs> like that. So <laughs> who else could it be? I don't know. Uh, they, uh, I know she should have put her hand on her shoulder and said, guess what? I just brought together three plot points. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> Mom quickly spots that Michael is lost and one foot with one foot out the door and lets her know her data quest is a lost cause too. So I'm here for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was quite telling when she mentions that Michael's a lost cause and that's why she's there. <laughs> you yeah, kind of yeah. go, ooh, <laughs> this might not go so well. Turns out there was no one better. Yes. Part of leadership is the acknowledgement that one is suited to it. So with Burnham out as number one, Saru went totally out of the box in picking her acting replacement. He taps Ensign. Sylvia Tilly. (laughs) I know. I I can think of two people right away that had a problem with that. Me and Fred. (laughs) Come on. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Well. She is as shocked as we are to hear about it, sending her into a bit of existential crisis. She is only given a day to decide if she's ready for the responsibility, which is good news as she looked like she was going to hurl when Saru first sprung the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. And the look on Stamets' face when Tilly told him was priceless. <laughs> yes, Lieutenant Commander Stamets, yes. that is. Good grief. Speaking for everyone, his initial hot take when asked for advice is that it, this is deeply, deeply <laughs> weird. Yep. And with Tilly dispatched to struggle with this issue, Saru continued to be the best Starfleet captain he can be. While Michael focused on her trial ritual, he took the greater task of turning President Tarina's eyes back to the Federation. And this is a new side of Saru, and Doug Jones played this diplomatic captain with poise and grace as he learns the Vulcans have let, learned to let go of maxims and proverbs after centuries of experience, seeing risks to the Federation, ignoring the needs of the few. That's convenient, too. Ah. Oh, we don't think that way anymore. What? Yeah, that was a little <laughs> Romulan talking there. <laughs> I, I have a, a tinfoil hat scenario. It's not a theory because it won't happen right. like most of it. But uh, I'll, I'll clue you in at the end. And of course, it, it, it involves Saru. So someone is here for the duration. Let's find out who it is. <laughs> 
The plan for the genuinely intense trial is to appeal to the logic of Vulcan Pierce Vakir. But he shoots to, uh, her down, meaning Michael, like Tuvok dismissing Neelix's cooking. Oh, <laughs> but on another rim shot. Yes. <laughs> Sherada Romulo, Romulo Vulcan is more tepid than plo- plumig soup. And the Romulan Najaj seems open but sees Federation plots under every plate. Wow, a lot of kitchen talk here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as for Gabrielle, turns out this candor stuff is not mixed with attorney-client privilege as she tells the trio of judges Michael is not, cannot be trusted. I was a jaw-dropper. She's a former mutineer. She was just the motive for insubordination and is being used by the Federation as Spock's sister. Wow. <laughs> I hope she was... Yeah, I know. I hope she was wearing her Federation uh, diapers when her mother <laughs> dropped her bomb on her like yeah. that. Not even an open court Burnham ific speech. Yeah, Burnham ific speech can be convinced mom of her true intentions. But there's a method to this legal madness by stripping away the layers. They finally come to the truth of the matter for both Michael and a fragile balance of Navarro, which is, she is threatening. Seeing this truth in the spirit of Spock's vision, Michael redraws her request and hits the bong thing. Bong. Yeah. That thing was kind of cool. I wonder if that's available online. Yeah. <laughs> I ask you for nothing, and I'm giving you my trust as a member of Starfleet. Big Brother certainly would have been proud. And the press was paying attention. Boy, you can tell that, too. Plus, they think she's going to... Oh, never mind. That's my tinfoil hat there. <laughs> we'll get there. And the press was paying attention, and no doubt also moved by Saru's diplomacy. Yep. She slips Michael the data anyway versus Michael's mom, uh, and trusting her, she would do the right thing. In. She did slip it to her, but I don't know if it was against the rules or... You know, without anyone knowing, do you really think it was a secret? I mean, they're going to find out once once they start looking to B-19, won't they? I mean, well, uh, this is going to give the Federation a real challenge to be able to not only determine the, the cause, but to yep. put it in a way where the Vulcan Romulan contingent doesn't realize that their president slipped them the data. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to look good for her. No. So, <laughs> yeah, the, I can see Saru coming up with some kind of methodology to explain this without it getting out that Tariq yeah, slipped I, in the data. Maybe so. I wonder if Kovic will have anything to do with it. They 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 feared that they couldn't trust the Federation. It could be he might have something to do with breaking that trust if it gets that far. Right. Hmm. So, mom also helps her daughter. Get past her big decision, reminding her duty and joy go hand in hand, leading her to commit to staying in Starfleet. It looks like Book is along for the ride now, too. I was thinking back in my own careers and jobs. I'm like, hmm, I guess I should have tried some joy. Maybe that would have made it easier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where were you, Mom? As for Sylvia, the crew led by Paul Stamus takes it upon himself to guide her as well. In a fun, heartwarming moment, they gang up on her to tell her to say yes to the promotion that would allow her to stay. As first officer. It may defy logic, but XO Tilly feels right for discovery, and Saru and Tarina wrap up their promising terms, complete with a well-earned live long and prosper, which I, I held up my fingers to at the end there. So, good episode. Interesting. Oh, I did borrow a lot. Yeah. and it, 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 Interesting <laughs> that it took Burnham's mom to get the truth out of her and make her realize exactly what she does want. That one face that Michael shot her mother. When her mother challenged her, she turned to look at like open mouth too. Like, what yes. are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's, she needs a talking to though. Michael, that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put her in her place. Just make up your mind. So as we referenced, there was a lot of references 
in this episode. We've got yes. a few, just a few Easter eggs to go over. This episode is the first one to be numbered as the third episode in a multi-episode story, and the first one to continue the episode numbering in its title from another Star Trek series as it continues the Vulcan-Romulan reunification, that's not a hard word, storyline from the Next Generation Unification 1 and 2. So we finally get Unification 3. Yes. Is there a 4 out there? (laughs) During the opening moments of the episode, we see that a newer, more rounded Starfleet insignia adorns the shuttle bay of Discovery. This feels commensurate with the upgrade we saw with the ship get last week. wonder whose idea that was. The Admiral? You're going to use it on maybe it was Wallace. <laughs> Following the homage to Aaron Eisenberg with the Eisenberg-class USS Nog, the mention of USS Yelchin ranks as a welcome tribute to Chekhov a- actor Anton Yelchin. I don't know how they're going to replace him. I mean, they can, of course. Yeah, we all yeah, see how. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad though, and it was so tragic. Yes, it was. Tilly tells Burnham that mapping all the burn data works fine in two dimensions, but not in three-dimensional space. Slap. <laughs> this could be a slight nod to Spock in the Wrath of Khan. In that film, Spock points out to Kirk that Khan's strategies indicate two-dimensional thinking. When Saru learns the Romulans are sharing the planet formerly known as Vulcan, <laughs> that sounds like a comedy routine, planet formerly known as Vulcan, he says, the Romulans are considered enemies in our time. Vance points out that history forgot this in your time, but Romulans and Vulcans were two tribes in the same race. Yeah, maybe pre-Kirk they forgot that. Yeah. I don't know. All of this is true, but the funny thing is that because of Discovery's point of origin happens in 2258, that's a full eight years before the events of A Balance of Terror in 2266, in which Kirk and Spock and pretty much everybody in Starfleet learned that Romans looked a lot like Vulcans. Yeah. How about, how about that? <laughs> Vance also mentions that the reunification of the Vulcans and Romulans took centuries after Spock's death. To be clear, this is a presumed death. Starfleet's records would show that Spock fell into a black hole in 2387, right around the time on the Romulan supernova. They have no idea he actually went back in time to 2258 and also sideways into the J.J. Abrams universe in Star Trek 2009, the movie. Then he eventually died in the alternate version of the year 2263, Star Trek Beyond, which in a parallel prime universe is like two years before Kirk and Spock ever met. Yeah. I, I down to my local comic book store. We were talking about Star Wars, Star Trek, <laughs> and uh, the guy behind the register goes, "Yeah, Star Trek's boring." And I'm like, first of all, I was like outraged, yes. I'm like boring. <laughs> Look how complicated it is. <laughs> that can't be boring. No. So Spock died in 2387, according to Starfleet records, but really went back in time to an alternate 2258. See, that's not boring. Which in the prime universe is the same year from which Michael Burnham went into the future. If you count Spock's presumed death established here in Discovery and his temporary death in the Rapcon and his actual off-screen death in Beyond, Spock had died three times. But who's counting? (laughs) Starfleet's recorded death of Spock being false when he time travels was really involved, involved also echoes of Starfleet's incorrect records of Spock's Bestie Jane Teams Kirk, who everyone thought died in 2293 on the Enterprise B generations, but really time traveled via the Nexus and died with Picard in 2371. It's, <laughs> it's like speak poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> Finally, it should be noted that Sarek's children end up as time travelers, except for Cybok, who in the final frontier touched the face of evil space god and got it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Cyborg, come on. Yeah, no, it was great to see that. 
grave. The flashbacks, we see Michael talking to Spock, played by Ethan Peck, as well as Kid Spock, which was Liam Hughes, come from the Discovery Season 2 finale, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Combined with their archive footage of Spock, Leonard Nimoy from The Next Generation, this is the only episode of Star Trek ever in which Spock appears three times, played by three different actors, and, and in none of the scenes is the character alive in the present. <laughs> Wow. This is also the only time Ethan Peck and Leonard Nimoy appear as young and old Spock in the same Star Trek thing. And that said, there are oddly several precedents, yes, for Trek episodes or films in which multiple Spock actors appear in the same story. Yeah. <laughs> in the TAS episode, Yesteryear Spock, Leonard Nimoy, meets himself as a young child who was played by Billy Simpson. <laughs> this is like uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yes. Except <laughs> box, box, Spock. <laughs> Also, in the search for Spock, Leonard Nimoy appeared in the same movie with four other Spock actors, Carl Steven, Badia Potenza, Stephen Manley, and Joe W. Davis. All of these other Spocks played Spock in various stages of hyper-aging on a Genesis planet. But don't get twisted like Billy Simpson and Liam Hughes. Those are Spock's canon. So make a note of that, <laughs> Marsha. In the final frontier, Spock, Leonard Nimoy, is in the same scene with an infant version of Spock. We don't know who the baby was, but it's a good bet it wasn't archive footage of Nimoy's actual birth. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. But you never know. In Star Trek 2009, Leonard Nimoy obviously appears alongside uh, Zachary Quinto, but you also have a third Spock, Child Spock, played by Jake Jacob Kogan. Anybody uh, tired of Spock references yet? <laughs> in Star Trek Into Darkness, obviously both Quinto... Appear uh, and in Star Trek Beyond, two still photos of Nimoy exist in the same story as Zachary Quinto as Spock. Anyway, a lot of fan service, a lot of Spock fan service, and it's not bad. I mean, at least it has a rich history. Still, you can only borrow from your so much history so much and maybe tell a new story. Yes. <laughs> Wonder what Fred thinks. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. All right. We do have some feedback. As always, our friend Fred from the Netherlands has given us some feedback, so let's hear what he thinks of the episode. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 7. Headline, Michael Burnham is coming. Most Star Trek fans are somewhat nostalgic so for those this was a very nice episode putting in leonard nimoy getting a connection to the picard series with the quad malat i recognize the falcon fakir who i know actually as moses page from frankie drake mysteries very nice female driven canadian 20s detective series a bit murdoch mysteries like series with lauren lee smith in the lead role and that's one of my favorite canadian actresses and president tarina from navarre who is played by Tara Rosling, who I know from the YouTube original series Impulse, which I really advise to have a look at. Very interesting sci-fi-like series, or actually more genre-like series. And you just can watch it on YouTube. Seeing Burnham's mother back went me a little bit too fast. On the other hand, it was just the other way around as you would expect. You would expect that Michael Burnham was looking for her mother and found her mother some way on a kind of quest. 
taking several episodes and now mother just walked in. Sometimes it's good to do it in a different way than everybody expects. I got used to the hookup between Book and Michael in the meanwhile. What also was very unexpected, but you could anticipate it a little bit, that Tilly would become number one, but still, as an ensign, uh, a bit too much. Very nice, of course, that the whole crew is behind her and support that, but still. Feels a bit unreal. But I already thought that when I thought about the possibility it could be Tilly. So now it just happens. We will see what it will bring us. Not unexpected, of course, is that Michael will stay under Discovery. Well, perhaps story-wise it would or could be nice that she wouldn't. But on the other hand, then we have no interaction or not that much between her and the rest of the crew. And that would be bad, I think, for the series. Or perhaps even impossible for the series. So, in conclusion, they went towards a certain path, but they didn't follow up on that path. And, well, would have been perhaps a nicer idea to let Michael Burnham become a rogue captain. And everybody follows this rogue captain, including Saru. That would be something different. More in a way like following Captain Lorca. Although the crew didn't know he was a Terran. That was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred, I definitely agree with you on the part of Burnham's mom and not having that take up two or three episodes trying to find her. Mm. And yeah, with Tilly, the main thing that I'm concerned with is just the lack of experience. She's done a lot of things, but (laughs) she hasn't ever led an away mission. And it's not like they know what to expect in this new time period and who they're going to be dealing with. So any away missions better have Burnham on there with them just so. (laughs) Yeah, somebody better be there. Yeah. (laughs) That made me think, well, she's going to get a test. Tilly will definitely be tested. Oh, no doubt. You know, somewhere along the line, maybe in the final episode. I always try to anticipate the final episode. By the way, I agree with a lot of Fred's feedback there. I always think as soon as I saw that connection between Saru and Tarina, I thought, oh, something's going on here. Yeah. And she kind of made the first move. I'm already talking romantically here. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they, right at the end, they agreed to see each other again. And I could see in the final episode of the season, just a cliffhanger, that Saru will decide to abandon his captaincy and, and stay with Tarina on Kavar. Wow. Or, in keeping with your theory, Steve, maybe when they find out uh, Tarina gave the the SB-19 information to the Federation, she'll have to abdicate. I know that's not the right word. Maybe it is. And she'll become a recurring character and decide to join Saru on a discovery. Either way, if if he decides to abdicate his captaincy and the final end to be with Tarina, that'll make Tilly the captain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I want to see your shock face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else shock face, too. Right. Now, what do you think about Burnham's character almost becoming Mariner-ish at the end of um, Lower Decks, being the one that does things that Starfleet rules don't actually allow to do to help the Federation in the long run. Yeah, they both have mother issues. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's uh, certainly plausible. I wonder if they uh, borrowed from that. 
to some degree. Right. Yeah. I had seen that few people had uh, mentioned that online that, Mm. yeah, they sure seem like they're kind of following the same paths and kind of have the same skill sets and stuff like that. So that would be interesting to see if they kind of do that. Yeah. On lower decks, of course, they have to work directly with each other, mother and daughter, captain and and, uh, lieutenant, lieutenant. So, yeah, that and they agreed to work together. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? They can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. On Twitter, he's at Salier Steve, and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please review us on iTunes and any other platform you're listening to us on, as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The eighth episode is on December 3rd, right around the corner. So is Christmas, and it's titled The Sanctuary. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. You guys are chronic overachievers. And this is Red Shirt Dave. When I look at that cat, I think you feel like home, or at least you ate it. <laughs>